Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, we are back here at the Ohioan. Hey, Craig, how's it going today? Going well. How are you, Chris? I'm okay. Um, kind of a busy weekend for a lot of stuff. Um, you know, the Columbus shooting, the aftermath of what happened with the police shooting of a 16-year-old girl. Um, you know, I got to tell you, I'm a little disappointed in people. Um, LeBron James, you know, NBA star, Northeast Ohio native, um, you know, he's been very outspoken about issues, and Hey, we all have opinions. You know, he's got no problem doing that. Well, the day of the shooting, he immediately posted a picture because uh, neighbors nearby, you know, the picture of the guy, the police officer who made the shot, you you know, it was out there. You you can see what he looked like and everything. Well, again, uh, this was the same day of the Chauvin trial. And, you know, LeBron had a word he was tweeting out a couple times, accountability. And he had, you're next and kind of a picture of the guy, and said accountability. Now, Craig, in your life, and I know you're active on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, if, if we could see all of your posts laid out, I, I'm sure there'll be some posts either that I would determine or you would determine to say, hey, you know, I probably didn't word this the right way. For whatever reason. I, I'm, not talking, I'm not saying a tweet about police shooting. I mean, any tweet in the world, you know? I mean, you could probably say, hey, someone could read that wrong, right? Right. Absolutely. Well, so here's the thing that bugged me. I don't know if that was worded the best, but I think it was pretty clear. If you look at the context of it, you know, sadly, the shooting happened very shortly after the verdict was read for the Chauvin case. Um, You know, LeBron earlier that day posted about, hey, we have accountability now. Because you know, Chauvin got found guilty for um, his role in the death of uh, of the unarmed, um, you know, person of color out there, and I don't know. I mean, yeah, was the wording correct? Probably not. But I think the context was clear. I don't think LeBron was calling for someone there to shoot and you know kill the officer. He was just saying, "Hey, look, you know." Maybe this guy should be found guilty or, you know, go to trial. So I I guess the thing that bugs me more than anything else, and we're at the same point as we talked about over the weekend. I I think we released the show on Friday or Saturday. It looks like police follow policy. I'm not quite sure if the policy is sound. We can discuss that and everything, but the police follow policy. But... Here's the thing that bothers me, Craig. Do you think that there's a race factor in this? Because everyone, 
a lot of people will tell LeBron, shut up and dribble, stop talking about politics, stop talking about social issues. You know, you're a great basketball player, just play basketball. And I I can't help but to think, you know, LeBron's black. And, you know, we're saying this, and what will we say if, let's say, Larry Bird made a tweet like that? Or I, I'm trying to think of a, a white player in the NBA that's well-known. Well, you know, it's hard to say because we haven't – I mean, we've seen some white players that have come out against, you know, police brutality and, you know, especially last summer when a lot of NBA players were sort of standing in unity. Um, but, yeah, I do think there's an element of of race to this that, you know, we've seen – we've heard the shut up and dribble stuff, and I just don't buy it. I mean, you know, a lot of people vilified, you know – players in the in the NBA in the past for not speaking out on social issues. And then now you have someone like LeBron James, who he has more than just basketball. It's a brand. He's a brand of a, a person. He sells clothing. He has, you know, all of these philanthropic things that he does. He has, clo- you know, shoes. He, you know, he's got something beyond basketball. Obviously basketball allowed him to get to that point, but He's not afraid to talk, and, and I, I respect that about him because, you know, there are plenty of people probably, you know, whether it's in Los Angeles or New York or Cleveland or where he's from in Akron that may not like him because of what he says or because he speaks out, you know, which is why we get the shut up and dribble thing. But I respect him for coming out and saying, look, you know, this is not right. Now, like, like you said, I don't know that he handled this tweet the other, you know, last week very well. But like you said, everybody makes mistakes on, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And you, you sort of, you know, own up to it. You move on. And I still think that, you know, just because he's a basketball player doesn't mean that he's not allowed to speak his mind because that would be like him saying as a, you know, if you're a cashier at Kroger, well, just shut up and scan, scan items. You know, you don't need to talk about your, your political views. So, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinions, and especially when it comes to politics. And we're in a society that, I mean, teaches us. And I think we got a good reminder of this with COVID. I mean, I hear this all the time at work. We get memos about this. And Craig and I work for the same company. You know, hey, you know, work-life balance. Yeah, work hard here. Do your job. You know, work hard. You know, let's get numbers. Let's do well. But but try and maintain that balance. Don't work here 80 or 100 hours a week. Work here what you are asked to do. Then go home. Enjoy your family and everything. Well, I think we forget. We like to say we like to keep that balance, but we don't. We know each other for work and everything. I I mean, I know Craig more about work than I know about his family. Uh, you know, Craig knows, I'm sure, more about me at work than I'm, uh, about my family. And let's look at the same thing, a, a player like LeBron. Now, yes, we've known LeBron because he's a dominant basketball player. We probably wouldn't have known LeBron if he wasn't a dominant basketball player. But LeBron's got family. <laughs> LeBron goes home. Yes, his lifestyle, his life is dramatically different than what, you know, Craig, you and I will face today, but he's a human. He's a, a father. He's a uh, son of his you know mother. Um, he's a you know a husband and everything else like that. 
And, and you know, Craig, I think the theme that we've talked about, probably even over life as podcasts, is let's treat other people like we want to be treated. And I don't want to accuse everybody of shutting trouble of being a horrifying racist. But when you look at a guy like Bron- LeBron, you say, hey, you know, you're only qualified enough to play basketball for me. So dance, you know, play basketball for me and everything. Right. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, hey, I may not agree with all of your political beliefs. You may not agree with all my political beliefs. Uh, we've talked about stances on other issues. We've talked about how we feel about journalism. Craig and I don't agree on everything. But you've got to respect somebody as a human being. And it could be somebody that we hate. It could be a bad, you know, just a rough experience we have with a boss or anything. But, you know, we got to treat others like human beings. And, and you know, LeBron, he's entitled to his opinion. It, it doesn't matter that he's a great basketball player. He's a human being. He's entitled to his opinion. Since he is a great basketball player, his platform is a lot bigger than your platform or my right. platform. But still, He's got that. And even if you're a, a wonderful LeBron fan and worship the ground he works on or, or walks on, if you don't agree with him, don't agree with him. It's yeah. opinions. I mean, yeah. it's America. This is what we fought for and everything. And it's just it's just discouraging. So Yeah, I mean you can you can love LeBron as a player but not care too much for what he says politically, and that's fine. I don't I don't care what anybody, you know, if, if someone, if your favorite athlete or movie star or celebrity of whatever kind, if they, you know, if they say or do something that you don't agree with, that's fine. They can do that. You cannot like everything that someone does or says. I mean, it is what it's, it's, that's life. It doesn't have to be perfect. And I think that's probably what it is where, you know, people love LeBron so much as a player that it's kind of jarring when he actually speaks out against something that maybe they don't believe in, and that's and that maybe calls for their hatred of him, and, and it shouldn't. I mean, if you don't like LeBron's politics, then either don't watch basketball or just leave it at the doorstep when you do watch him play and just say, I'm just going to watch LeBron James play basketball. I don't care whether he says this, this, or this. I just want to see him play basketball, and that's fine. Or if you care about him playing basketball, then also say good for him that he's using his platform for what he believes is the betterment of society. Then what's wrong with that? Let's let's applaud that too. Well, and speaking about that, over the weekend, and you know, Craig, we got to start calling these guys out for who they are. Um, you know, over the weekend, obviously the Columbus shooting was big news. Obviously, LeBron's tweet was big news. So. You know, people out there will say, how do I get myself involved? How do I hit the news cycle right? And holy cow, Craig, uh, in Delhi Township, and and that's in Cincinnati down the west side, uh, there is a bar down there. And I'm trying to get his name. Yeah, Jane Lineman of Lynn's Pub in Delhi Township. Um, You you know, I, I don't know how big Lynn's Pub is. I mean, it looks like a decent-sized pub, but it's like probably any other bar out there. Well, Jay made the same over the weekend saying, hey, we're not going to show any more NBA games at my pub until LeBron gets expelled from the league. (laughs) And as you might expect, all kinds of reaction, because for those of you who think LeBron shouldn't talk, everyone's like, man, we're going to Jay's pub. What Or Lynn's pub. What a great place. We'll, We'll go see Jay and everything. 
And then LeBron gets chastised. And again, have your opinion on if LeBron should have responded, but he was kind of sarcastically like, oh, man, I was going to go watch a game there. Okay. It is a PR grab. Um, this Jay guy, I mean, come on. If the only way LeBron would be expelled from the league is if Jay's pub or Lynn's pub would have more economic impact on the NBA than LeBron playing would. Obviously, that's not going to happen. And right. even if Lynn's pub gets 100 bars around to say, no, we're not going to do that, that's not going to make a difference. To be honest with you, Craig, when I've watched games at bars, I can't remember ever a time I've watched a basketball game at a bar. Uh, when I'm in a sport, sports bar or, or, or whatever to watch a game, typically it's a football game, right? I mean, right. I mean, I once watched a hockey game at a night, not a nightclub, but a sports bar. It felt weird. <laughs> I mean, again, you're, you're there to watch football, right? Is this any more than just a blatant PR grab where? Everybody on one side's high five. It really doesn't mean much of anything. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think this really means much. I mean, I, I don't live there, so I don't know how popular this bar is. But you know, the same person who's using his, I guess you could say, clout to to say that he's not going to show any NBA games on TV are they're they're the same people that are saying that LeBron James shouldn't use his position and platform to speak on issues. So it, it, it doesn't really make sense to me that this guy speaks out using his ability to because if he wasn't a bar owner, would anybody know who he's who he is, you know? Right. So I, I just think this is much ado about nothing. I don't think – I mean, I'm not saying that people don't go to bars and maybe watch games. You know, like you said, it's more of a football thing, I think, as far as sports bars go. But, I you know, I'm glad LeBron cla- – you know, I, I like LeBron's comeback, which was kind of funny. Um right. But this guy, yeah, I, I think a lot of it is just what did he do here? Well, he announces he's not going to play any NBA games on his at his bar, and he gets a story written about him. So at the end of the day, it's kind of a it kind of works as a publicity thing, where you know anybody that has maybe not heard of this bar now knows about it because of what he said. And oh, it just so happened that he got LeBron James to kind of clap back at him a little bit. So. I think more so than anything, this guy's plan was to at least get his name out there and to get his bar's name out there. And now all of a sudden, people know what this bar is if they've never heard of it before, including LeBron James. So I'm not saying that he doesn't believe in what he said, which was he's going to not you know, show any NBA games. But more so than anything, he, he basically made this a marketing tool for himself. And it it might work. Who knows? I mean, there might be plenty of people that – still, you know, frequent the pub, even though they're not going to have basketball on. Yeah, in personal message, I, I'm not expecting LeBron to, ah, well, hey, hopefully he is a listener to the hiring, but I'm not counting on that. But, you know, hey, LeBron's got a bunch of business associates. I'm sure there's some regular Joes in Akron that may not be on his payroll, but just know LeBron, maybe can get in contact with him. Let me give a message to LeBron. LeBron, when you share articles, share the Acker Beacon Journal article. I tweeted at you from the Beacon Journal account over the weekend, King James. But LeBron shared some <laughs> blog on his Twitter. <laughs> Give us the clicks, LeBron, that it would bring. So <laughs> if you're if LeBron, if you're listening or if you know LeBron, 
support local journalism, LeBron. You know, <laughs> we got your back, LeBron. Exactly. We're not, yeah, we're not bashing you. Share that, you know, Beacon Link or Kent Repository Link. Hey, I work in Canton, Akron with those papers. Help, help me out, LeBron. Let's go. I mean, I'm on your side. I don't know. That's just a personal message. Very, very, what, what do you call it? Very selfish because he can share whatever he wants, but should it be control? Help her clicks. It'd be great. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So just interested to see what happens. Let us know what you think in the comments. I can be more practical about this. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm tired of the, you know, hey, I'm a Republican, so the police are always right. LeBron stinks. What do you really think? Take your Republican hat off and take your Democrat hat off. Um, I want to see what you think about this. Let us know. And let us know if, if this is any more than just a weird publicity stunt. All right, Craig, we'll be back soon with another segment. Have a good one. All right, back here on the Ohio, when Craig and I were just reminiscing about a good segment a few weeks back about cicadas and all the stuff you need to know about cicadas and uh, that you can eat cicadas. And Brandon, and Brandon took a few weeks off. He's expected to be back next week. Uh, but Brandon was talking about eating, what was it, bugs or ladybugs? Not ladybugs, but crickets. crickets. Yeah, crickets. And I, I'm still shocked about that. I got to ask him a little bit about that. Uh, when he comes back. But uh, talking about cicadas, very interesting. Um, Sarah Brookbank of Cincinnati Inquirer writes over the weekend, um, we got holes in our yard. Um, Craig, I, I didn't tell you over the weekend, I haven't mowed yet this summer. Well, <laughs> or this spring season. My grass was like the rough at a British Open. <laughs> very high, wavy, wasn't good. My neighbors were kind of giving me the side eye and everything. And my neighbor across the street, we paid him the mower yard before. And I finally said, hey, buddy, I want to get this done. Get my vaccine on Monday. Um, you know, hey, can I pay you to the front? I'll do the back. And he agreed. Um, I got done with the back first. And I came out. We helped him out and everything. And, you know, he kind of said, man, you know, your backyard could use some help. And it was kind of burnt. You know, when you uh, mow after a while, it just looks kind of rough and everything. Well, one thing I'm going to need to check, Craig, and I'm not a big outdoorsy type fix-it guy, but they say you can have holes in your backyard. I got to check and see if they have that. And Sarah writes over the weekend about, hey, could these holes in your yard be brood X cicada mounds? And, Craig, I'm afraid about that. Uh, um, do you have any holes in your yard? No, no, I do not. Okay. So we're good. Have you checked? I have, yeah. Okay. It's a little too early, I think, for cicadas, but maybe okay. in some parts where it's a little it's gotta be a certain the ground has to be a certain temperature for cicadas to to to, thir, to burrow out and thrive. So it's okay. been a little it's been it's a little too it's a little too cold and we haven't had enough warm days to really warm up the ground temperature that much. So well, they're coming. Sarah's getting this ready because we yeah. want to have this article ready, ready to go, so we could be checking. Even if there may not be as many holes in your backyard right now, we got to get ready for it. So Sarah's got the article out so we can go back and look at it. Yeah, uh, Craig, I'm a company man. <laughs> I'm proving you right now. It'd be great. Uh, so 
Sarah's writing about, hey, cicadas are going to come crawling from their homes in the ground over a two-week period, and the soil temperature has reached 64 degrees. Now, in Ohio so far, it's been confusing because we've already had some days over 64 degrees, but we had some days that are pretty cold. So I guess we have to keep above 64 for a while, right? Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be a consistent warmer, you know, sort of a consistent warm-up because even if the air temperature gets to like 80 or whatever, which we've had some really nice days lately, the ground temperature is still going to be cold because you've got, you know, a whole winter's worth of buildup and you need to, you need to get out of that with warm temperatures. So that's why usually around mid-May to late May is when you see the, the cicadas burrow out because the, the ground is finally thawed, you know, you know, down into the, you know, the area where they're at. So it takes a little while, but they'll get there at some point. It just hasn't been warm enough consistently to warm up the ground surface. Now, it's interesting because we had snow last week, but we have a couple of days of 80 degrees coming yeah. up. And we have, and there was an expert at Mount St. Joseph University who says, hey, if you have two days in a row of temperatures above 80 degrees and soaking rain, I know we got a couple 80 degree uh, temperatures to forecast this week, so they could pop out early. You never they know. Could. They could, definitely. They're okay, ready. so here's what, here's what you're looking for, uh, according to this article. They are saying, oh, I, I got deck and roof overhang. I got all these things they're looking about. They, they say, you know, they want a overhang to kind of build up under. So I might have cicada mounds under my deck. I, oh, this is scary. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I'm looking here. The first signs of cicadas are often their shells. When they come out of the ground, they climb up the nearest tree or a tall surface and shed their cells. Shells. <laughs> Say that ten times fast. Yeah. But no, but it's interesting. I've got some boy, I've got a big area under my deck, and I've got a tree that's kind of shared by myself and neighbor that kind of overhangs my neighbor's yard and my yard too. I, I could be in trouble here, Craig. You could be. You're, you're, and that's, you know, down in the central Ohio and, and also Southwest, you know, in Cincinnati area is, is expected to get this brood. So you may be, uh, you may be dealing with, with some of those holes. And then also uh, the sounds that come with the cicadas, the, the, the buzzing. Oh, yeah. Sound, yeah. Well, how am I supposed to get rid of the cicadas? I'm a little bit confused by that. Well, you, you really just don't get rid of them. They, they kind of just get rid of themselves. They only, they only live for like two to four weeks. So, you know, odds are, unless you're in like a, a real, you know, non-developed area, you're probably, you're, you might see some, but you're probably more likely to not really experience them, especially if you're in more of an urban populated area. But, you know, if you do have them, I guess you just kind of get, you know, I guess you could eat them, as we've talked about. You could eat them as yeah, a prey. Yeah, I just. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I guess you just kind of let them go. And, you know, they, like I said, they only last two to four weeks in their life cycle. So you're you're probably just better off just letting them do their thing and get out of there. And before you know it, they'll be gone. Here's what I'm definitely afraid of. Like, we have steps that go up to our deck. I like sitting out the deck. Not to be lazy, but there's a trampoline my kids love. It's nice to, yeah, kind of just sit and watch them on the trampoline. 
But my daughter, if I'm not looking, you know, sometimes we'll try to put grass in her mouth. I'm like, no, get the grass out of your mouth and everything. What's the chance she could be putting some cicadas in her mouth? Oh, that's, that's scary. Real possibility, yeah. But at well, least I guess it's snack. It's healthy. Oh, <laughs> <Just, laughs> uh, the horror of my face! If I look out yeah. and see her with, you know, hi, daddy, and she's got cicadas all over her mouth, <laughs> just, I would run away. I'd be like, no, go ahead and see mom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love you, but not like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's limits to my love, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, a couple of years ago, I heard lots of cicadas, not necessarily in my house, but it'll be interesting. I, I don't know. Are we too worried about this stuff? I mean, yeah. Craig, I'm looking at our web metrics, and every time we write about cicadas, everyone goes crazy. <laughs> the public loves cicada stories. But are we too crazy about them? I mean, yeah, we still write more about COVID, so I'm not saying yeah. we're out of whack, but... Is our public out whack? I mean, is it very stuff to worry about than cicadas? There's nothing to worry about. They the only thing that you might experience is the sound issue with right. them. They they reach high high decibels, but I, I yeah I think we're making a, a lot of about nothing. I mean, you know, they really just kind of live their life cycle and and, and leave essentially. They don't really do anything. They don't get in, they don't harm animals. They don't harm people. They just they come up from underground, lay their eggs, climb up on trees. Maybe they might eat some trees, you know, some branches off of trees and stuff. But sometimes they'll eat the dead ones off, so it's kind of a good thing. But well, they're not gonna do, they're not gonna harm anybody. You're not gonna be. I, I highly doubt you're gonna be stepping on cicadas when you're out in your yard. In all likelihood, you won't. But right. you know, some people may, but most people will not even know that they were there. And if we don't come up from underground, then no one will know when they came up from underground, really, unless you're searching I, for them. I even saw an email blast that was talking about, hey, you know, subscribe, got all your cicada news here. I'm like, yeah. why is everyone all interested? I mean, is it well, like the, the Reds and Indians aren't doing super well right now? <laughs> so are we like, hey, less Indians and Reds news, more cicada news? I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just the idea that they're so rare that you're kind of intrigued when something burrows from underground every 17 years. And, right. you know, it, they are, there's going to be a lot of them. I mean, we're talking into the trillions, um, even though, like I said, the vast majority of people will not even know that they were out. But I don't know. I, I, I think it's just something unique that people just, you know, they like something different, new. And it's maybe, you know, maybe this is the good time for something like this where it's sort of like an escapism story where, you know, you know how you go to a movie and it's, uh, you know, it's it's entertaining, but there's not much story to it. You just kind of sit there and, and relax and vegetate and escape from right. the world. Maybe people look at the cicada stories as sort of an escape from the world and escape oh. from COVID and escape from other, you know, other things. So they read about cicadas to, to kind of take their minds off of things while still digesting that news so kind of like nostalgia that's it's like why frazier and seinfeld and yeah. all these old sitcoms are popular we want the non-covid news so give us our cicadas yeah, yeah. very possible i mean yeah, yeah possible all right well let's know what you think why do you like the cicadas so much help us out and i don't know i mean if you're in we're in so <laughs> Send us your cicada pictures or 
your cicada stories. I mean, and hey, if we like it enough, we'd love to have you on the show to talk about it. So, should be good. All right. Well, from Cicada Central, I'm Chris. This is Craig. <laughs> we'll be back with another segment soon. Have a good one. All right, back here in Ohio, and we've talked about this a couple times over the past few weeks. It is a strange time for home buying. Um, not a lot of people. I don't know about you, Craig. I'm not really in the mood to move anytime soon, especially during a pandemic. I'm here. I'm not leaving. But, you know, hey, if you save your money, I guess, you know, you're in a good home buying position. Uh, but it's a hard market because not many houses are out there. And it kind of more favors the sellers instead of the buyers. But, uh, Craig, there was a story in the dispatch of the weekend I wanted to kind of chat about a little bit. Uh, there was 10 tips for house buyers. Craig, you may have told me, and I probably forgot, are you a, a homeowner or are you a renter? Renter. Okay. Do you rent a home or apartment? Home. Home. Okay. So, hey, you never know. I'm not saying you're looking right now, but you might be looking for a house, right? In the yeah. Summer future? Like, yeah. yeah. That'll be good. So, well, let's look at these 10 tips, and I'll give you advice. I bought some homes in the past. Yeah, this is true. Uh, first tip here, and again, this story is from the Columbus Dispatch website by Jim w Waker. Um, his first tip is be patient, um, which is true. Um, problem is, Craig, well, I'm looking for a house. We're about ready to move. I don't have weeks and weeks and months and months to look. Right. So I'm typically not patient. So how do we get by this? Well, it's it's difficult to, to be patient when, you know, the rest of the story here details how much of a, you know, competition you'll have with other buyers and, you know, how you've got to, like, you know, pre-qualify and everybody wants to have, you know, a certain buyer. So it's kind of hard to be patient when you're going up against so much competition in these uh, these housing markets. Maybe it's like this. Maybe you do your homework beforehand. Right. Um, you know, either, like, let's say you're applying for jobs. You know, if you really want a new job and you're out there, apply for a bunch of jobs maybe, or do your homework and really look at that one job you're looking for and really, you know, put your effort into that application and really do your homework and really do it right. You know, maybe that's the best way of doing it. Uh, same thing with houses, you know, look for houses beforehand. I mean, Craig, don't just, uh, you know, we're recording an hour of interviews. So just get in the interview and say, I want a house today. You know, right. maybe you start looking at listings and everything, or you, you sure. talk to your wife and say, Hey, what's the budget we have? What do we really want in our house? What, you know, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms and stuff like that. If you know all that stuff beforehand, you should be in good shape. Uh, Jim also talks about getting pre-qualified for a loan. That makes sense. I mean, you take care of some of the financing beforehand if you do that. Yeah, that sounds like it makes a good idea. Probably the best yeah. idea is to, to even know what you can afford. And that sounds, you know, as much as being patient is to, to know that you can actually get that house or, you know, maybe it allows you to see what your market is here as well. Here's another interesting thing. Uh, they talk about exploring stale listings, um, especially online. You go to a uh, listing, you say, wow, it looks good. But then it says, hey, it's in contract. And what if it's been in contract for uh, 10 to 15 days? 
Um, you know, sometimes. Oh, wait a minute. No, no. okay. Forgive me, Craig. I, I'm reading this wrong. They're, they're talking about sale listings and saying, what if it's been in the market for a long time? Um, here in Columbus, man, houses don't stay in the market that long at all. Okay. I mean, we, uh, the house was on our market that we ended up buying. It was only in the market for a day or two before we had the place okay. to offer. So wow. we had to move fast. Well, they're saying is, okay, if you're looking at a listing and it's been in the market for six months, well, what's wrong? Did somebody get murdered there? What happened? Well, they're saying still exploited. There might be something that isn't so bad about it. You know, so don't avoid still listings. Yeah. 10 to 15 days does not seem like a long time. I mean, I always equate the housing market with it's a it's sort of a slow, long process. So seeing that 10 to 15 days is a long time to be on the market kind of intrigues me. That I always I, I never have a kind of maybe it's more of a negative connotation with housing markets, but it seems like more than 10 to 15 days does not seem like that long of a time to be on the market. Well, I will tell you, uh, this story was written primarily for the central Ohio market. Central Ohio, 10 to 15 days is a long time. Okay. Uh, I will say we are, we have good runners who have been there for a long time, a house we own in the Canton area. I will say with them, um, Canton, they'll say, hey, if you put a house in the market for Canton, at least 30 days, at least. Be shocked okay. if you get sold beforehand. So it just depends on what area you're at. You know? okay. Columbus seems to be a little better, but you never know. Okay, that makes and, sense then. That's fine. And again, let me clarify that too, because if you're you're right, if you're listening to it in a smaller market, you're like, what are they talking about? But here, it may not be the same in Fremont or Canton. It's that here in the Columbus area, you need to be ready to offer over the asking price. Um, there's a stat here. Central Ohio homes that sold so far this year have fetched 100.8% of their most recent asking price. So... Any up, yeah, a little bit more. That's interesting. You always watch these home buying shows on TV, and everybody always comes in under under price. And I guess obviously they're they're buying mansions or expensive homes. So, but that's uh, kind of interesting that you you have. I, I mean, does that mean that when they list these homes, that maybe they up the price a little bit of what the value is? I mean, is that on top of you maybe having to overpay for it? I think part of it is right now there's more buyers and sellers. Right. I, I mean, hey, you know, support local journalism, read these articles. But if you took this article and wait till next year, there might be more sellers and buyers, and definitely wouldn't ask for more right. or offer more. I would offer probably less. But like, I guess this is saying, hey, Craig, if you're going to move to Columbus today and you want to do a house, here's some of the things you need to do. Well. Okay, I mean, you know, it's uh, it seems like you've got a, a a quick process for spending a lot of money. I guess I don't know. So, well, well and here's the other thing. I mean, my wife is one that likes to think about it, pray about it for a couple I days. Am, yeah, that's how and, I. Am. And there's stuff wrong with prayer. I'm not saying, hey, screw prayer, don't do that. But like, I know at the house I'm currently sitting at now, we looked at it. And we we have like maybe one day a week to go from Mansfield to Columbus and look at houses. And we're like, oh, this will do the trick. It's got a fence around the house. It'll be nice for our, our kid. And we and we walked out the door. And thankfully, our realtor is a good friend of ours. Uh, you know, he drove a separate car. And I saw my wife saying, 
hey, let's go look at these other houses, but we're going to have to move. And yeah. literally that night, and she was frustrated at me because she said, oh, I don't like moving this fast, but we had to. We literally had to call him that night and say, all right, draw it up. Yeah. You know, let's offer this. Or oh, I think we even asked him, what do you think we should offer? And to be honest with you, we actually got it for a little cheaper. Um, again, it was a time where it wasn't like 2021. This was pre-pandemic. Yeah. But still, you know, we had to move quick. I mean, it was kind of crazy. I guess for context for all of this, uh, it took mostly me, but it took my wife and I about a year or so to buy a TV to pick out the TV we wanted. So um, we were, uh, we've were we been looking at TVs for about two years. And then finally last year, my wife's like, well, let's just, uh, you know, apply for a Best Buy card. So we got approved. But even after that, it took about eight months before we actually said, okay, let's buy a TV. But it was mostly by my doing of being slow and methodical in my decision making. So, um, but yeah, she wanted to get it right away. I wanted to wait, even though we had the money approved and everything. So, <laughs> this is I'm funny. a terrible home buyer because uh, of it. Well, I'm reading this next tip, and I'm thinking, man, I'm a terrible home buyer because. I often would be like, I'm a wheeling dealer. I mean, I'm not one to say, okay, this house is a hundred thousand deal. Let's do it as is. No, I'm the one that's going to offer a little bit less. And we'll say, Hey, can you pay the closing costs? Can you move the TV here? You know, whatever else the case. (laughs) They're saying, don't do that. Here in central Ohio right now, they said, it's on the buyers to make allowances. Uh, so, what can the buyer bring to the table? And, man, I, I definitely gotta, don't think of a buyer. I mean, you know, you got to bake them a pie or something. I mean, come on, it's it seems like you know. I'm not saying that they can't find <clears> something else, but why do you why do you have to sweeten the pot here? You know, why do you have to? Well, you know, there's there's so many people buying. There's a lot of yeah. people looking for not that many houses. So. You know, if you're selling, if you're here, like if I sell my house for a hundred thousand, I can get four people saying, "Hey, I'm willing to buy a hundred thousand." You know, then I'm going to sit here and say, "Okay, what, what can you bring to the table?" And this article talks about you could say, um, you know, offer flexibility and occupancy date. You know, so maybe the seller needs time to find a place. Right. Um, you know, waive any requests to remedy inspection problems. So what would happen would be. You know, a lot of times, if you do the inspection on the house, you find termites, whatever else the case might be, the seller might be like, hey, I'll pay that cost to take care of it. Well, they're saying, still do the inspection, but you take care of whatever problems they have, which is kind of scary, man, depending <laughs> on what inspectors find. I mean, you could be up a lot of money here. Oh, that's why that's why taking uh, taking some time might be the best at, you know the best possibility because right. you don't want to buy a house and then immediately have buyer's remorse because you found out it had something you know kind of wrong with it or you know you don't want to have to sink more money in even though you're buying a house but then you got to sink more money in because the inspections revealed something and now you know you have no choice because it's a buyer's market you got to you got to get it you got to go for it. They're saying uh, provide earnest money with the offer so the seller knows you're serious. I'm trying to figure out, is that money up front? Is it a bribe or something? <laughs> hey, if you take it, it's a little 5000 for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, some offer to pay the seller's costs as title fees and real estate commissions. Please. 
Okay, I'm not buying a house right now, Craig. There's no way. I'm not yeah, going to do all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, all of this just sounds ridiculous. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you make a huge decision within, like, sometimes, as they say in a story, 15 minutes. Um, you know, it, it just seems like it goes pretty, it goes too quick for something when you're making a, you know, for, for a 30-year-plus investment, making a decision that fast just seems a little bit unorthodox to me. But Well, here's another thing. Escalation clauses, get this. So think of it like eBay. Okay, so if I put brown tickets on eBay, I might say the original bid is a buck, okay? And you might sit there and say, I'm willing to bid up to 100 bucks for it. So if you do that, your initial bid will be 2 bucks because it beats the original bid. But other people drive your cost up. Right. So if somebody else bids 50 bucks, automatically um, eBay will say, Craig now bids 51, but you say I'm willing to pay up to 100. You know what I mean? Right. Well, it's the same principle with home buying. So you can sit there and say, all right, I'm going to bid $101,000 in the house. But you probably tell the seller, hey, I'm willing to bid up to 200000 So if I walk in and say, hey, I'm going to bid 110, then the person's going to look at me and say, oops, we just got bid for 111. Can you go higher? Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, if I, I don't know that I would want to, you know, put myself out there and say, hey, you know, we're willing to go up to 200000 because what's to stop that person <clears throat> saying, oh, well, we've got this bid for oh, one, yeah. you know, one ninety five. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know if you want to, you know, show your cards too much there because <clears throat> then you're putting yourself in a spot where that seller can just say, oh, yeah, well, someone else is interested in this for 195000 So, you know, I'll go with you if you want to <clears throat> do the 5000 knowing that they're going to do that. So, you know, I would never, <clears throat> you know, I would never cap myself on anything, whether it's a home or whatever negotiation, because once you do that, you've already put yourself in a spot where you're willing to spend the money. So then all they need to do is just convince you that someone else is involved in it that wants it for 195, <clears throat> even if it's $95,000 over the asking price. Right. If you really want it and you say you're willing to go up to 200,000, that person should be guaranteed to get 200,000 now because you've already committed yourself to it. I well, would just commit yourself to being negotiable, you know. And well, think of it if you're applying for a job, and and let's say the the job pay range is between like fifty and seventy. Well, if you could call them for an interview and they say, "Well, how much do you want?" You know, hey, unless you're mm -hmm. brand new to that profession or don't have some experience, what are you going to say? You know, <laughs> I mean, you're going to say, oh, "Yeah." Right. Uh, I'm worth 70. Bring it on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's there's starting points, right? I mean, you can, right. you know, I think you, you make a suggestion based off of what you believe, you know, sort of what you believe that you're worth. And if maybe, like you said, if you're newer, you're not going to go to the high end, but you're also not, <clears throat> you know, going to go to the low end because you right. know that you can get the low end because that's what they're offering. So maybe you meet in the middle. I guess maybe it's a little bit different than home buying where if you're a seller – you know, you can pit people against each other and say, well, even if that person's not against someone in a, in a, in a buyer's market, you can say, well, someone wants it for not, you know, 195,000. You said you were up willing to go to 200. Are you willing to go to 200? So you're calling that person's bluff. So they're either going to say, yeah, we're going to go to 200 or no, we really don't want to go to 200. And then maybe the seller doesn't have a sale then, but 
you know, you, you should, I don't think in anything you should ever cap yourself and say, I'm willing to do this. Cause if you're willing to do that, you're going to be paying that guaranteed. Well, that makes it a lot. Cause it's kind of like the, a job interview where like say it's that 50 to 70 range. <clears throat> yeah. They go and say, Hey, Chris is willing to work for 60. Are you going to beat that? So you're like <laughs> bidding right, right. for lower salaries. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with the house. Like, yeah, I guess I bring up the job because it's like the same thing. Because you're right. If you say, "Hey, I'm willing to pay up to 200," well, then why is the um, seller going to be like, "All right, well, I'll let you pay 105." You're right. Yeah. They're going to be like, "Hey, someone just bid 199, 999, so 200." Yeah. You know, hey, you know, let's do the deal. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Don't, I, don't show your hand. Yes, don't show your Very good. Don't tell them. Yeah. Negotiable. Couple of tips I thought was interesting. Uh, cash is king. Bring the cash. I'll tell you, Craig. I'm getting more frustrated as I'm reading this story. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, buyer, do this, do this. Come Man. on. <laughs> I don't want to buy a house. I'm gonna bring lots of cash. <laughs> cash out your 401k to buy a house that you may or may not have termites, and if it does, yes. and if it does, you can't ask them to pay for it because heaven forbid you ask someone to take care of a of a problem before you give, you know, $150,000 to some, you know, come on. I don't know. Yeah. So you're bringing all your cash from your 401k. You got in a little, what, a little briefcase in the back, back seat, you know, <laughs> uh, you're right. And, you know, maybe it's 200,000 in your cash. The seller's ripping you off because he's making up some other offer. So now you got to spend all 200,000 and the termites, that you're gonna have to swear that you're gonna pay for. Now it's ten extra. It's like a money pit. It's like the old Tom Hanks money pit movie. Yeah. Oh, we're doing this right away. And here's the other thing, Craig. Man, this Jim, and hey, we love Jim. He works for the Columbus's Bad Sport Local Journalism. But is he taking a little payola from the <laughs> the sellers here? Because look what else Jim says you should be able to do. Be willing to compromise. Yeah. So say, hey, maybe three bedrooms will work instead of four. Or you can live without a full basement. Maybe you'll need to live in the city. So again, you're cashing out your 401k. You're agreeing to pay for whatever inspection things come up you don't know about. And now you can't even get the house you want. Yeah, you, know, you, yeah. <laughs> you, you I you, almost you, think that unless, unless you have no choice but to buy or whatever, I almost feel like, you know, you, you want to be when you want to buy a house, you want to buy a house. I get that, but I almost feel like you're better off just being patient yourself and saying, when the yeah. right house comes along, then you pounce. Because if right. you're willing, if you're willing to compromise that much, you have to be extremely motivated to buy that. In my opinion, I, I, I just I don't feel like you should compromise when you're basically saying I'm going to be investing my whole life into this house, and then to you know there's going to be some things you compromise on, but. You know, this seems like a lot of concessions from the buyer's perspective. <laughs> it just, and it seems like when you're saying, "Oh, well, it's it's just a thirty-year investment into your life," you know, or then some. Don't yeah. worry about it. Like, be be quick. Act within fifteen minutes of seeing the house or whatever. No, I just I don't buy that. I think you know you don't want to lose out on the house you want, but you also shouldn't settle for something just because you feel like you need to buy a house at this point or whatever it may be. It's article saying bend over, you know, take it, take some more, you know. Yeah. 
I, this is, you know, this is yeah. not, this is not, this is, this is depressing stuff, Chris. We, we should have ended on the, on something like lasagna, macaroni and cheese, you know? I bet you that like the Fremont, you know, real estate association, all these like small real estate associations are going to be like, they don't have a link to this on their website saying, <laughs> why even think about moving to Columbus? Hey, stay in this rural area. Yeah. It's going to be written. The article is going to be written exactly the opposite, you know. <laughs> it's all it's all the sellers, you know. Yeah. Buyers. This is, yeah. this is all depressing. This is just a depressing yeah. trip into the the homeowners, you know, the homeowner market. And Columbus is a fun area. It's a desirable area. To live. Yeah. People like living down here, but my goodness, now you have to just. <laughs> Give up everything you ever wanted. No, cash in your four hundred one k for uh, cockroaches, essentially, or termites oh, or ants. I mean, I don't know. I think I'll pass for now. All right, we're not going to win a real estate podcasting awards. No, 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 I don't think so. Oh well, we'll live. So. Sorry, Columbus Market. I apologize for yeah, you know, not not telling people to spend all their life savings on termite infested homes or. You know, stuff that doesn't have three bedrooms when you have six kids or something, you know, or whatever it may be. So you just have to triple up on the rooms. Right. Well, I guess, I'm, I guess I'm happy now because I guess I have to find a place to live. But maybe I should be happy because I, I'm the seller now. So I guess it's more in the yeah. seller. Yeah. But then I don't know. It's very confusing. So, well, thanks for checking out the Highwind. Check out our website, viewfromthepew.club. Lots of ways you can connect with the show. Um, you know, listener support, uh, supporting our sponsors. Everything is detailed right there. Uh, take some time and check it out. And definitely check out the Hope Interrupted podcast. Episode 6 is going to drop this week. My goodness, Craig, I remember when we were saying, hey, this podcast is coming up. Now it's six episodes old, so you can check that out as part of your Highland feed. There's also a separate feed, but again, check it out and check out the book. Should be exciting to see what happens there. As always, thanks for checking out the Highland. Y'all have a great day. Have a good one. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.